Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I'm so excited that you are with us today. This is episode 149, When All Hope is Gone, the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. I want to take you on a journey back in time to a godly priest and his wife who have faced a lifetime of disappointment, yet their strategic role in the kingdom of God changed history forever all because they served the Lord faithfully, even with broken dreams. This story of Elizabeth and Zechariah is an important part of the Christmas story, and so often we forget it. But Luke, when he starts his gospel, says, I want to give you an orderly account, a consecutive account, an in-order, in-chronological order account, of the gospel of Jesus. And does he start with the angel appearing to Mary? No, he goes back to the beginning of the story. And that is when an angel appeared to a very old priest who had been faithful his whole life, even in spite of disappointment. Zachariah and Elizabeth's story can be found in Luke 1. And the story that I'm going to tell you actually all takes place in Luke 1. So Zechariah was a priest. He was married to the daughter of a priest. And they were a lovely couple. The Bible says that they were righteous or blameless. They were just that kind of couple you meet. And they are so upright and so good and so loving and so kind. That was them. They didn't just obey the letter of the law. But they really loved the Lord. They had one great disappointment, and that was that God had never given them a child. Now, back in those days, children were very, very important. I know we live in a time when people say, oh, I'm not going to have any children. But that's not the way it was back then. People recognized children were a gift from the Lord, but they were also a heritage, and there was a way of your seed living on through your sons and daughters, especially your sons. So Elizabeth was way past menopause, and she had resigned herself that whether she had broken dreams or not, whether she could experience motherhood or not, she was going to rejoice in the Lord. She was going to obey him. She was going to be blameless and loving and kind And what's so interesting about all of this is Zachariah and Elizabeth, both of them individually and also as a couple, could have gone in two directions. They could have become bitter. They could have questioned God and been angry at God. And they could have decided that they were not going to serve God anymore. Zachariah could have resigned from the priesthood. And they could have even moved into a foreign nation and worshipped foreign gods. But they didn't because they knew that their God was the true God. And they knew that to worship him was not only the right thing to do, but it was the best, most wonderful thing to do. They knew all about the creation account where God had made the heavens and earth just by 
speaking. And they knew that they were knit together in their mother's womb and that the days of their life were carefully planned by him. Zechariah and Elizabeth had a living faith. But one thing that this faith did is it did make Zechariah a little scared to believe God. <laughs> Not a little scared to live life, but a little scared to believe God. So Zechariah gets up and he heads to work one day. And of course, he doesn't, you know, it probably takes, he probably walks. I was going to say probably takes a camel or a donkey, but no, he probably walked. He goes to the temple and purifies himself. And then it is his turn to burn incense to the Lord on behalf of the nation of Israel. So while he is inside, not the Holy of Holies, but that inner court, while he's inside that inner court and other people are are out in the outer court praying, he begins to burn the incense. Now, something very unusual happens that day because as he burns the incense, wow, he has an encounter. He has this encounter when God speaks to his heart and says, or an angel appears before him, but it's God speaking through the angel says, I'm going to give you a son. And this is going to be a very, very special son. And you're to call him John. And I don't know what was going through Zachariah's mind, but I'm sure immediately he thought about how old he was. And even more so, he thought about how old Elizabeth was. And so he says, well, how can this be? Basically, can you explain so I can understand? It was just too hard for him to take it by faith. Now, Mary says something similar. She says, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. Their responses on the outside are very similar. But remember, God sees the heart. So there was doubt. There was unbelief in Zachariah's heart. But not so much doubt or unbelief that God said, nope, next person, not going to do it. God loved Zachariah. And he loved Elizabeth, and he was going to use them. And in the process of using them, in a way that they had would never have probably chosen, at least what was unfolding right now, if they knew the big picture, yes, they would have. But as it was unfolding, they probably wouldn't have chosen that. But God chose it, and so... What God did is he said, I'm going to give you a sign. You're not going to be able to speak until the baby is, is, um, circumcised and you name him, you know, you name him John and all this. So somehow he, luckily he's able to write, right? The priest, he's able to write and he's able to communicate all of this to his wife, Elizabeth, who evidently is in full faith. However, however, they, Elizabeth remains in hiding for five months. Why five months? I don't know. Maybe she had miscarriages before. Most miscarriages occur in the first four months. So if she made it to five months, she would think, okay, I know this baby's really coming. Maybe she she just thought people won't believe me. They'll think I'm a crazy old woman when I tell them I'm pregnant. Um, I'm just going to hide. And so she she just stayed secluded. For those early months, maybe she was very sick, but for whatever reason, 
she stays in in seclusion for those five three five months and what happens is that Elizabeth has a relative now it could be a niece it could be a distant cousin I honestly don't know but we do know that Mary and Elizabeth are relatives and Elizabeth doesn't realize this but in another village there is a young girl and an angel is visiting her just like an angel visited Zechariah and the angel is saying blessed among women are you you are going to have the son of God he is going to be born of you a virgin and she is blown away she's I've heard of the Messiah. I know he's coming. How will that be? Because I'm a virgin. How can there be a baby inside me? And the angel says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have this baby. And then he does something very interesting. He mentions Elizabeth. And I love the kindness of the Lord there. Because there is this young woman, probably scared, really loves the Lord and she's trusting him, but probably wondering, what are my parents going to say? What is Joseph going to say? What am I actually going to do? And yet God is going to comfort her and God is going to encourage her in her faith. And how does he do that? He says, by the way, your, your relative, Elizabeth, She's pregnant. And Mary knows how old Elizabeth is. And she knows that's impossible. So if Mary can go see Elizabeth and see that Elizabeth's pregnant, it is going to strengthen her faith. Because God is not just intervening in her life. He's intervening in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. So part of the purpose that God had for Zechariah and Elizabeth was to be an encouragement to the mother of the Messiah. Their son's purpose was to be a forerunner, the best man for the groom. And so that was his purpose. But his parents' purpose would be to support and encourage Mary. And so I think that's so beautiful. And I also think it's so beautiful that he used a family member. Yes, we don't know how distant, but it definitely was a family member. I just think that is so beautiful. So Mary comes to visit. And when she comes, <laughs> who recognizes that she's the mother of the Messiah? Now, it, we don't know how long it was till she got there, but I assume she's probably not showing yet. She's a young girl. I didn't show in my first pregnancy till I was about five months. But here she is. She's hurrying off to visit her, her relative. And someone knows that she's pregnant. Not only do they know that she's pregnant, they know that she's pregnant with the Messiah. And who is it? It's the unborn baby inside Elizabeth. And I love that. The first person to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ was an unborn baby that is so beautiful and it makes you really question 
whether our nation should allow abortion because unborn babies, pre-born babies, they are people created by God with a purpose. And even as an unborn, a pre-born baby, John had a purpose to declare, there she is. She is the mother of my king and my Lord. And he begins to jump for joy and leap for joy. And he's so excited. And Elizabeth is probably laughing. She's like, what is going on with my baby? And as she opens her mouth, she begins to prophesy. Maybe she sang it. A lot of times they sang their prayers. They sang their prophecies. So we don't know. But all we know is Elizabeth is saying, wow, why would the mother of my Lord come to visit me? As soon as my baby heard your voice, my baby knew the mother of the Messiah is here. And I just, that is just so incredible, that drama, the beauty of that drama. These two women, not from two separate generations, one next to the other, but probably more in line of a grandmother and a granddaughter or even a great-grandmother and, and a granddaughter, great-granddaughter. So a very big difference in age. And yet such a bond because they are in the same kind of circumstance. God is looking at them and, and saying, okay, the situation looks impossible. Nothing is impossible for me. All things are possible for he who believes. And he comes in. And he does this beautiful, beautiful thing in both of their bodies. And both of their bodies bring forth life. The one who is a virgin and the one who is as good as dead. They bring forth life, not only life, but these two men who will turn history upside down. And that is just so beautiful, so incredible. So... When Mary hears, she goes to visit her relative. They have this dramatic encounter, and it says that she stays there. And she stays there three months. She probably was there for the birth of Elizabeth, and she probably helped with the birth. The men weren't there back then. It was the women. They were there. And what's interesting is that Mary and Elizabeth probably spent about three months together. And I am sure that this older godly woman just poured so much truth, so much wisdom, so much life, so much love into this young woman. And she began to instruct her and teach her and love her, not from a heart that knows about God, but from a heart of a person who has been broken, from a heart of someone who has faced disappointment. Not for a few years, not for a few months, for decade, decade after decade after decade. She has faced such disappointment and finally she has given that up. And now the Lord calls her to this glorious purpose. So this is just such a beautiful experience for Mary and Mary. Okay, I'm going out on a limb here now. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just hypothesizing. What if some of those things that Mary went through, 
What if some of those deeply hurtful, sad things, like when she watched her son die? What if there were things that Elizabeth spoke to her from the Word of God that Mary remembered? And maybe she remembered that kind voice and how it was said so gently. And she remembered, God is the God of all comfort. Even if my life doesn't turn out the way I had hoped it would, God is still moving and he still has a plan for me. So Mary leaves and they, um, they, it's time to circumcise John. And now is the testimony of obedience because Zachariah can't speak. And so Elizabeth, remembering what Zachariah told her, says, we're going to name him John. And no one believes it because there's no one named John in their family. So Zechariah writes out his name is John on the the scroll or the tablet, and then he begins to be able to speak. And I'm sure he has so much to say. Immediately, he bursts into song, and it's a prophetic song, another prophetic song about what God is doing. Guys, this is his historic moment. And who did God choose for this historic moment? A very elderly couple and this young virgin and her bewildered husband, ordinary, hardworking people who love Jesus, who love God. And I just, this is so beautiful. For this historic moment, God chose who would play out the drama. Now, the one thing Elizabeth and Zachariah would have to deal with is that his childhood would be very different. They're probably, I don't know, but we never hear any mention of Mrs. John the Baptist. It doesn't mean there wasn't, but he did live out in the desert and eat locusts and wild honey. And what good Jewish wife would feed her husband locusts? I don't know. But this is what we see is that Elizabeth and Zachariah are not going to have an ordinary life. They're not going to have a baby till they're very old. And they're not going to probably live long into John's life. I mean, maybe they lived till he was an adult, but they're probably not going to live much longer than that. And they're not going to have grandchildren. They're not going to have those things they dream of. But see, God had something different in mind for Elizabeth and Zachariah. He had a higher purpose. He had a higher call on their life than to just live an ordinary life. Living an ordinary life is beautiful, and God calls most of us to that, to just live an ordinary life and to be faithful and to be loyal and to be respectful and to worship God and to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. But Elizabeth and Zechariah, though they were denied so much of the joy of the ordinary life, God gave them this incredible, incredible experience of being part of the drama of the birth of the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? I just, I love, 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 love that. And I love that in all their hurt, in all their bewilderment, all those years of pain, they were absolutely faithful to the Lord so that the Lord calls them righteous. I just love that. 
And what about you? What about where you're at? Do you have disappointment in your heart? Do you have hopes that haven't come to pass? Maybe you've had a pretty bad two years. Maybe you feel like Satan has come in and just blown up my family. We used to be such a happy family and he's just come in and wreaked havoc. Or maybe you feel like your marriage isn't doing so great. You feel distant. You feel alone. Maybe you feel like your children have forgotten all those things you've carefully poured into them. Well, I have good news for you. God has not forgotten you. The Bible says that he engraves you in the palm of his hand. And I have better news for you even still. God will turn every disappointment into something beautiful for his glory. We might not even be able to see or understand all of that this side of heaven. But we do know that God is working and he's shaping us and molding us. And that there's these beautiful blessings that we rejoice and laugh over. And there's these difficult times that we struggle through. And we have to rely on the Lord or we never make it through. And in all of those things, God is building something beautiful. So I want to encourage you right now to be the woman or man that God has called you to be. And if your life looks different than anyone else's, that is okay. That is really okay because, see, God has a unique plan, a unique call for your life. And, yes, it's going to have a lot of ordinary things, ordinary blessings, ordinary trials. But in all the disappointment, can you trust him? Can you obey him? Can you love him? Can you follow him? Because it's those who follow him through the difficult moments, through the it's too hard, I feel like I'm going to give up years. It's those that are pliable and surrendered enough for God to use for glorious things like the birth of the Messiah. And won't it be exciting to get to heaven and to realize we were part of dramas we didn't understand on earth, but they were big dramas unfolding God's perfect plan. And we were right there in the middle of it. I don't know about you, But I want to live a fully surrendered, laid down life so that I can always be part of whatever God is doing. I hope that's your heart, too. And I want to encourage you this Christmas. Remember Zachariah and Elizabeth, just an ordinary older couple who, you know, today we might think of them as an older pastor and wife who never had children. God never blessed them with children. And Just so ordinary and yet so not ordinary because God calls them blameless. God calls them righteous. That's so amazing. And I believe that if you can be someone who obeys God and trusts God and loves God, even when you're so disappointed, God can build something so beautiful in your life 
that you will impact so many people for the glory of God. Now, I wish you all a wonderful Christmas season. And if you need resources like Christmas unit studies or you want to learn to have a traveling dinner, we have a book about how to have a traveling dinner as a Christmas Eve tradition. We encourage you to check out our website at powerlineprod.com. And for those of you who are subscribers, you will be getting free Christmas placemats this month. And if you are not a subscriber, there's a place in our show notes where you can sign up to be a subscriber. So God bless you and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.